All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a Wednesday, March 8th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, what's up? How you doing? Hey, man, doing great. A little rainy day. Ready to talk some hockey. Get it rolling, man. How about you? I'm doing all right. Uh, made the mistake of drinking a nitro cold brew coffee before doing today's show, and it has uh, it's run through me like nitro, so just hoping to make it to the finish line today. Yeah. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's play a little game. Speaking of uh, rapid, let's play some rapid fire, and uh, let's talk a little this or that. I'm going to throw three questions at you, and uh, we're going to run through the – uh, trade deadline acquisition. So this or that bigger deadline ac- uh, impact, Jacob Chikrin or Matthias Ekholm? Jacob Chikrin. He's already playing all three situations for the Ottawa Senators. You can't say the same about Ekholm. He's not going to really touch the power play with uh, with Edmonton, even though I think he'll shore up that team. So I'm all in on Chikrin. If the Sens make the playoffs, he will be the reason number one, number two player, whereas Ekholm, I think, just ties things together in Edmonton. Yeah, he he does appear to tie things together nicely for the Edmonton Oilers. I've been pretty consistent, not in my criticism, but just saying I need to see more from Ekholm in order to believe that he will be a big impact player for the Edmonton Oilers. And I'll agree that both in the short-term and the long-term impact for the Ottawa Senators to get Jacob Chikrin, to give that team a shot in the arm for one that's battled pretty hard for the bulk of the year after seemingly being out of it in November, to be right back in the playoff chase 
uh, I think is pretty important for their overall team confidence and psyche as well. This or that, which team will uh, regret not being more aggressive at the NHL's trade deadline, the Vegas Golden Knights or the Dallas Stars? I think the Golden Knights, like even at the start of the year, they were missing a scoring right winger. And those players were available at the deadline. And with all the LTIR that the Golden Knights had, they had assets. Uh, they've never been afraid to send it before. They didn't get Tarasenko or Meyer or Kane or anybody that would have helped on the right side. And they're a good team, but I'm not sure they're quite there. Uh, Dallas made some smart ads, Frank. Domi, he's looked good, played well. Dodonov, more productive than Garyanov. I think they added to that team in Dallas without remaking the club. So I think Vegas had room to play, and uh, they're going to have a tougher route getting out of the Western Conference without having that added scoring. Yeah, I'm going to disagree and say the Dallas Stars. Like I, I think that team, as consistent as they've been all year, they have that you know sort of first-line scoring punch that is so necessary, but their depth scoring is really what – to me, stood out. And, and I don't know that either Max Domi, even though he's had a 50-point season already to this point, and as you mentioned, Evgeny Dodanoff are really moving the needle in any sort of significant way to say that the Dallas Stars have altered their playoff odds. You could say maybe this team went out before and already made their trade deadline acquisition, trading a first-round pick for Nils Lundqvist. Obviously, that's more of a future play as well. But for me, I'm not seeing a quickly bigger impact this or that, Tanner Janot or Tyler Bertuzzi? Tyler Bertuzzi, man. 2017 Calder Cup Finals. I played against him, and he was the best player on the ice. Point per game playoff performer in the AHL. He hasn't had a chance at the NHL yet. He'll rat it up. He'll put points on the board. Janot had to prove he belonged last year. He may be chasing that rookie season for the rest of his career, Frank. So give me Bertuzzi. I think he's going to be an animal in the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. Brad Marchand light. Uh, you add a player yeah. like that. And then you look at, at also the acquisition cost. Bertuzzi costs a lot less than Janot. I know there's more team control, but also for that price, it essentially worked out to two first round picks for Tanner Janot. The one plus the two, three, four, and five is equivalent to a late one as opposed to the deal for Bertuzzi. Even though he's a pending UFA, I think if he has a great run, you try and find a way to keep a player like him and maybe some, move some other pieces on your roster in the summer. So let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs' big win over the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday evening. Uh, they've whooped the Devils this season, a team that also can't beat the Arizona Coyotes for whatever reason, but that's just how it works. The Leafs get the 4-3 win despite being outshot by New Jersey. Mitch Marner, two points. William Nylander, two points. And Austin Matthews with a goal. Jeez, where have those goals been for Austin Matthews? If I told you heading into Tuesday night's game, Mike, that in the beginning of the season, we'd be in March, and, and Austin Matthews would have as many goals as John Tavares at 28, what would your level of concern be? And what is it now for Austin Matthews as he gets on the score sheet again? Well, I would have a lot of concern at the start of the season because I don't know who'd be filling up that airspace. But you look at Matthews, oftentimes winger, and William Nylander, he's really had an explosive season. And I have to think that part of that is because Matthews has been dishing and been okay playing for him in the center. So if Nylander's taken up that space, it's good. But you still look at Matthews and, and do expect more. Um, but Frank, I think that there's there's a lot going on here with Matthews. Like he still leads the team in game winners. He has 11 power play goals. Those are pretty close to his career pace. It's just five on five. He's been a little bit down this year. And you look at his shooting percentage, man. He's gone from 17 down to 12, and he's a career 16%. So I think he's a little off the pace. I don't have big concern because, like I say, Nylander's taken up some of that space along with Marner, and they're just so deep at forward that he's the sum of the parts. Has anyone had a more disappointing season in terms of NHL superstars than Matthews? 
And I ask that knowing full well that the Toronto Maple Leaf mouth breather fans that are going to be all over me in a second on social media would disagree. But when you look at this year for a guy that scored 60 last year and for someone that scored 51 in 60 some games the year prior to be on pace for 42, how come this hasn't been talked about more? Austin Matthews earns his pay based on the goals that he puts in the back of the net. And people will say, oh, Austin Matthews, look at him. He's blocking more shots than any other forward. He plays so well defensively. Look how hard he back checks. All those things are great. And I love that Austin Matthews has added another level to his game. Maybe that helps Toronto win in the playoffs. Maybe he's only concerned about winning instead of scoring goals. All of those things, I give him uh, an applause for that because that's what a leader does. But he's also paid to score. And when you're on pace for 42 after scoring 60, that is a massive drop-off. And I, I just I don't know why it hasn't been talked about more to this point because it almost seems like he's been immune to criticism this year. I'm not entirely certain why. You've seen other players continue to skyrocket, and Austin Matthews is on pace for a 40% drop-off in goals, and yet no one is saying a word. What's happening here? Well, it's because the team's still winning, Frank. That's what it comes down to. And, I mean, he has rounded out his defensive game and played harder in that regard. It's just like you do have to take back sometimes if you're some players to learn your defensive side and be able to grow back your offensive game. You Not everybody's McDavid, right? Like McDavid's improved his defensive game while still managing to score and go off in that area. So I think you're going to look for a rebound for Matthews if his shooting percentage goes back up. Uh, but it does need to happen. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he scored two goals in the last, what, I don't know, 15 games for them, something like that. So there's room for growth there. It has been a down season, but I think he'll bounce back. Austin Matthews, $11.64 million. If we want to talk about block shots and back checking and playing well defensively, you can get a really good player in this league to do that for seven hundred and seventy-five grand. Not saying, just saying. Let's talk about the Colorado Avalanche and that team really beginning to find its stride. 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. Mike, when it's all said and done in mid-April and the regular season has closed, where will the Colorado Avalanche finish in the regular season standings? I, I think they're destined to finish probably third in the central. I don't see them slotting in at a wild card slot. Um, but I really just third. wonder about the playoffs. Why third? Well, I mean, Minnesota's solid, dude, right now. And here's the problem with the abs that makes me nervous is that Landis got skating, yeah, but when's he going to be back, right? He was supposed to be back in January. Now we don't know. And it looks like you're still going to have Manson out of the lineup until the end of March. Eric Johnson, he's coming back from a broken ankle, probably not until the first round of the playoffs. So, like, I understand this team has been really solid without them. Um, but I think to really excel, they're going to have to have one of those two defensemen back in as well as Landeskog. So I think third, they've had stops and starts this year. Um, Georgiev's given them the best goaltending, but Francois is out right now as well. So I, I think they're going to be able to slot third. I don't think they'll go much higher just based on the fact that they're missing players and you really need them if they're going to make a Stanley Cup run. All right, I'm taking off the oven mitt, but this is a hot take. Colorado Avalanche, I say they win the West when it's all really? said and done six weeks from now, five and five weeks and change. I just think this is a team fully capable, even with the injuries that they've had. Would anyone blink if they reeled off 12 straight wins? I wouldn't. No, this team is, no, is uber-talented, and, and if they're going to get healthy, Landis Cog obviously is not going to be back in the regular season. They have no ability to activate him. But getting some of those defensemen back, as you mentioned, 
that puts this team on another level. And I, I, I just think yeah. with the talent that they have assembled, look out in the playoffs if that indeed ends up being the case because invariably – if they're going to finish higher than third, which is where they woke up this morning in the Central Division standings, that means they're going to have to have played well down the stretch in order to finish at the top. And sometimes it's just the hottest team at the exact right moment in time. Would you be shocked? Uh, yeah, I would be if they ended up reeling off 12 in a row right now. Like I just I haven't seen it this season on a consistent basis. Um, they've been good and it comes down to health more than anything. That's really it. I don't think they're as deep at forward. I like picking up Lars Eller uh, to help the spine down the middle, but is JT Comfort really going to be the guy to drive that second line? It looks like it. Uh, they're a stingy team defensively though, Frank. That's the one thing I love about the Avalanche um, that I think, but they don't have the X factor in goal. I don't look at Georgiev the same way I do as an Ottinger or Soros. Georgiev is going to have to prove it to me going down the stretch. They are, I think, the fastest team in the league. That means something. And I agree. We could have actually put the avalanche in that conversation uh, with the Dallas Stars uh, in terms of an underwhelming uh, trade deadline. Lars Eller and Jack Johnson, you know, if they had the cap space, which they did, the $7 million bucks from Gabriel Landeskog, why didn't they spend more of it? And why didn't they get a real impact player? But nonetheless, I think back to the conversation that we had with Nathan McKinnon, at NHL All-Star Weekend, Tyler was there for it. You could hear him in his voice, just the shock of how bad this season has been and how banged up they've been. And yet they still, it's in their sights, five, six points away from first place in the Western Conference. The fact that they could still pull that off, given how we've reached a Murphy's Law stage with the injury list this year, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for the Avs and they can still win the West. To me, that's the mark of a really, really good team. Mike, let's talk about uh, NHL expansion. Did not expect to be having this conversation at any point in time this soon no. after the league completed its expansion process in Vegas and Seattle, adding the Golden Knights and the Kraken in recent years. But we've all seen the tweets from not just Kevin Weeks, but also John Butchagross. This was a tweet yesterday from Kevin Weeks. Eyes and a question mark. Previously tweeted some Houston Arrows and Atlanta Thrasher logos and had the, uh, the there you go, the zipper faced emoji saying, I, I can't say anymore. I think that's uh, coming from two NHL rights holders has piqued my interest, no doubt, in addition to uh, fans. And this is from John Butchergross on March 3rd last week, right in the middle of trade deadline, no chance to address it in the moment. But I did reach out to the NHL and traded messages today with NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, and I'll fill you in on a little bit of what's happening behind the scenes, which is not much. And Bill Daly says, I'll just read, expansion is not our priority right now, but it doesn't mean we won't listen to people or groups who have interest. That happens to include both Atlanta and Houston, but it also includes other cities as well. I don't think Atlanta and Houston are in any better or worse position than anyone who has expressed interest in the last 12 to 18 months. And there's been no change in the position on our end that we are not looking to expand. So... The typical cities and or potential investment groups that reach out to the NHL to engage in conversation, they're not slamming the phone down. It's always good to have backups. And I say backup because it's actually pretty critical as to what happens in Arizona with this vote that's scheduled to take place in Tempe on May 8th, exactly two months from mm -hmm. today. It's going to be put out a referendum to voters 
who are going to have to say yes to spending city funds on a new arena in Tempe for the Arizona Coyotes. If that does not pass and there is no sort of ready to go next option for the Coyotes, which I believe how much they've invested to this point with this project, that there would be one on the horizon. I wouldn't be shocked personally. This is just me speaking out completely out of turn to see the Coyotes up and move out of that scenario this summer if that doesn't happen. I don't know how you can possibly think that continuing to play in Mullet Arena is a long-term solution. I don't think the NHL views it that way. They told the Coyotes 18 months ago, this is a temporary solution to a problem. And until you solve the permanent problem, which is getting steel and shovels in the ground for a permanent arena, then we're really just kicking the can down the road. And so without that permanent solution, I don't know how you can possibly make the argument that they would be staying. What say you? Yeah, I mean, they're a goner. I think if that's the case, you have to make it work in Arizona. And this is a last-ditch effort. Like, they have to get that arena built. And and I've heard from people on the arena side of things that, hey, man, this seems like a long shot, which even shocked me to hear. So uh, Houston's pretty much plug-and-play, Frank. Like, that's – and that's a market that has a history with professional hockey dating back a long time ago, International Hockey League uh, with the Houston Arrows. Atlanta, though? What are we doing? No, 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 no. But I could see a team in Houston. That would make sense. I mean, you mentioned plug and play. Central Division, Arizona to Houston, mm-hmm. the fifth biggest metro market in the U.S. to the fourth. Seems to make sense on a million different fronts. Uh, clearly, as I mentioned, uh, the exact money quote from Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, expansion is not our priority right now. So let's move on and let's talk uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, who have had an interesting couple weeks with our friend Eric Erlinson in this week's All 32. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
That's right. Pleased to welcome back to Daily Faceoff Live from the Tampa Bay Lightning practice facility is Lightning Insider Eric Erlinson. Eric, glad to have you back. Uh, you've certainly had a bit to cover here in the last couple of weeks for the Bolts, a team that has just sort of been motoring along the model of consistency the last few years, but have sort of hit a rut in the last couple of weeks. The benching on Saturday, the blowout loss on Sunday. What is your level of concern on a 1 to 10 scale for this Tampa Bay Lightning team to properly position itself for when it matters most in the Stanley Cup playoffs? First of all, Atlanta's only allowed back in if you bring back the Southeast Division. Now, those are the rules. That's the only way it happens. The Southeast. Um, that's right. Yes. Um, I, I mean, there's, there was some concern because, I mean, you give up 27 goals in five games. It's clearly something is not working right. And too many times they've let either Andre Vasilevsky or Brian Elliott out to try. I mean, the, the game they lost at home ice against Buffalo, I mean, Tage Thompson had two breakaway goals. Buffalo won the game in overtime on a breakaway goal. They gave up a three-on-one. I mean, it's just the attention to details that has been completely lacking in a lot of their game. And when you don't focus in on those details, all of a sudden guys slip behind you and you're not paying attention. I mean, there was a goal uh, Pittsburgh scored where Mikhail Sergejev had no idea the guy was behind him. I mean, that's just complete lack of focus. So it's a mental thing more than a physical thing. Uh, and, and that's kind of what's been the situation. And, and the benching, obviously, boy, that make waves across the NHL when you sit Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Braden Point for an entire period. I mean, that's really rocking the boat a little bit. And uh, I think the hope was that it, it, it kind of snapped them out of it, uh, their, their funk and kind of brought them in because, I mean, look, John Cooper, you don't make that decision based on a couple periods of play in Buffalo. This has been brewing for a while. And those are your leaders. Those are your guys that set the tone. Uh, and they had been uh, among the worst offenders. They weren't the only ones, but they were among the worst offenders when it came to that lack of focus. So uh, if I'm going to put a number on their level of concern, I would say six right now. Yeah, and I find it concerning when you see somebody that skates as well as Braden Point just lazily coming back into the zone, not picking up players on Buffalo. I mean, two of the goals were directly related to just effort mentally and physically, and that's something you typically don't see from Point. Like, he's rock solid. So I share the concern in that, and I, I think about lately here with the team how – you know, even the middle six seems to kind of be in a blender right now. I mean, Sorelli's played with several different line mates. Uh, he's had Hagel and Kalorn alongside of him. Jeannot is mixed in as well. Nick Paul's been up and down. Is that middle six kind of murky for the Bolts? Do you expect that to shake out and really have set lines uh, for the rest of the season? Or is Cooper going to have to keep playing with this until he finds the right combos? Well, I think it's actually a top six that he moves around quite a bit. You know, Stamkos will drop down and play with Sorelli. Hagel will go back up with Quinn Kucherov. Uh, we saw, you know, the, the third period the other day in Buffalo when those three guys sat. I mean, it was Kalorn, uh, Sorelli, and uh, I think Paul uh, were on that line. So uh, it, it, the middle six, I think with the addition of Tanner Janot, I think they really like the possibilities of Ross Cold and Nick Paul playing with Janot uh, as really an effective third line that can forecheck. And you've got two 20-goal scorers on there and a potential guy in Nick Paul who, who's approaching 20 goals this season. So it's a really good combination of a third line. Uh, bringing in Mikey Asamont, I tell you what, he was really, really good last night. It uh, looks like Pierre-Edouard Belmar is kind of the odd man out. He's been scratched in two of the last three games uh, as, as Asamont has kind of come in. So, you know, they've kind of had to shore up their bottom six more so than their middle six. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think John Cooper is, is one of these coaches, as a lot of them now are, these days that they're not hesitant to make changes if they don't see something within the first five, six, seven minutes of a game that's not clicking to move guys around. So um, it, it, it's with this team, 
everybody's played with basically everybody with obviously except for Janot and, and, and Asim on here. So there's a lot of familiarity between the two. So I don't think you have to have set lines. I think it's always ideal because that means things are clicking. But if they, if they don't click, uh, they'll certainly move, move guys around without hesitation. Eric, I need to ask about Victor Hedman. Uh, obviously, Bolts fans, they had their hearts in their throat seeing Hedman down in Carolina. Uh, he seems like he's avoided the worst uh, and the team saying he's day-to-day. Give us the latest on Hedman and, and just size up for me his season as a whole because I think a number of people have sort of looked at you know, the downtick in production, but also just his, his overall impact on the game. Look, there's no question this guy's played a lot of hockey over the last number of years. Has it caught up to him a little bit in his season as a whole? And is it maybe, you know, if he is okay, uh, just prudent to get this guy as much rest as possible down the stretch? Yeah, they're very fortunate. He's actually out here on the ice right now as, as the team is wrapping up practice. So that's a really good sign. It, it did not look good. You start pointing to your back, you know, especially for a guy who's six foot six like Victor is, it can really have an effect on everything it is you need to do to be effective. So he's out here doing his regular rotation out on the power play and everything else. So looks like he's probably a go for tomorrow, which I know a lot of Lightning fans are sighing a, a big sigh of relief right now knowing that. Uh, but yeah, he has not had a Victor Hedman season. This is the first time in probably seven years we're not going to discuss him in the Norris consideration. Uh, his production is, it's picked up of late. He's looked a lot closer to who he is, but then you see other moments you're like, eh, that's not the Victor Hedman I know. So he's had a down year. Uh, he has played a lot of minutes. There's no doubt. Uh, we know that this team in particular, nobody's played more hockey than the Lightning have in the past three years with all the playoff games and the deep runs. Uh, and he's played the most minutes of any of them, right? So uh, it, it's at some point, there is a, a diminishing returns aspect of it. Uh, and yeah, if they could if they could keep him to 17, 18 minutes a night, I think that'd be ideal. But when you're in the midst of a five-game winless stretch, which they hadn't had in nine years, uh, you know you you got to get wins and you got to rely on your top players to get your wins. Plus, knowing Victor Hedman, if you drop him below 22 minutes, he's going to ask, "Why am I not playing 22 minutes?" Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, certainly a fair question to ask as well. I'd be curious to see what that. Uh workload is like down the stretch is there's not really a lot of places the lightning can go in the standings they're not in danger of dropping anywhere probably aren't going to be climbing anywhere so maybe it makes sense to have everyone firing on all cylinders when it's all said and done thanks so much to eric erlinson for joining us today lightninginsider.com is where you can find his work if you're not following him already please do so eric underscore erlinson on twitter he's been covering the bolts for 22 years a fantastic job thanks so much eric take care all right. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Mike. All right, Mike, just ahead of our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day, wanted to give a little shout out to our ongoing chat on our YouTube channel as uh, people are watching the show today. Barra checking in from Sweden says not having a team in Quebec City is criminal. And I certainly think that uh, Quebec hockey fans would agree as well, although Quebec being what would be the smallest market in the NHL, I think there's some significant hurdles to overcome, even though they have the ready-made building in place. And Prescott, a Flames fan, says that Jonathan Huberto is the only star player more disappointing than Austin Matthews. And I would agree with that sentiment as well. An $84 million contract for Jonathan Huberto. Mike, I'd also say that Huberto hasn't properly been utilized as well as minutes are down almost four minutes a game from last season 
And the guy that was the second team all-star at left wing and set an NHL record for most points scored in a single season by a left winger has been on the right side since Christmas. I don't know if you can make logical sense out of that. Yeah. No, I can't. I mean, <laughs> Daryl's going to do what Daryl wants to do, man. <laughs> yeah, that is that is abundantly clear for every player in that Calgary Flames locker room. Let's get to that daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your question on Twitter. Uh, one word to describe the Tony D'Angelo spear. Predictable. I mean, if I would have known that somebody in the Tampa Bay Lightning versus Philadelphia Flyers game got speared in the plums... My only question would have been, did Corey Perry do it to Tony D'Angelo or did D'Angelo do it to Corey Perry? So like, this isn't a big surprise to me, man, uh, but it's it hurts, but it's also kind of funny. Like, I know D'Angelo is going to get suspended, but it's just two guys that you expect it from, Frank. Yeah, I was going to say there's probably somewhere, someone somewhere saying, oh, Corey Perry, this is the guy that's on the receiving end of it, maybe deserved. Uh, happen to really like both these guys and D'Angelo and Perry. Too. Uh, I would say the word is dirty. Uh, another word is is unnecessary. Like, I, why? Like, I, there's just no need to do that. And if we're talking about a pure suspension basis and what may be coming from the Department of Player Safety, these things typically don't end up in suspension. And and I did check, there's no added penalty for this to be uh, the, the direction or area in which Corey Perry was speared. If it was in the stomach or, or the chest or whatever it might be, uh, it's not any different in terms of the Department of Player Safety's eyes uh, as it is uh, getting speared in the jimmies. I feel like it should be as as uh, anyone watching is, is currently clutching their stomach right yeah. now. Um, but also the history there, it's, it's typically a fine. Uh, there was a suspension a couple years back. I think it was almost five years ago now. Brad Marchand got two games, I believe, for spearing uh, Tampa Bay's Jake Dotchin. Um, so mm -hmm. that's sort of in the range that Tony D'Angelo is looking at, somewhere between a fine and two games, which I don't know. We'll see. And then here's the other clip. Yeah. Everyone on Tampa – yeah, they they did they did not like. He that. might get one game for a weenie tap, you know, like that's a mandatory one gamer for a weenie tap. <laughs> yeah, so you tap a weenie and then you come back and get your pee pee slapped by the Department of Player Safety. So there you go. Uh, let's get to Tyler Urebchuk and our. And if you think this was funny, you should have seen the conversations that I had this morning checking in on this. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Tyler, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm doing just great right now. Uh, Frank channeling his inner Jay Rosehill with some of these comments. My inner toddler uh, is what I'm channeling. Yeah. Uh, it was a profitable night for me last night on the points bet front. I really needed that. Shout out to Corey Perry and the, for cutting the puck line. I was fired up to roll that into a busy Wednesday. But honestly, this slate tonight is small and there's not a lot that I really like on it. So I cooked up a little shot prop parlay. Let's jump into it. Two legs on this bad boy, plus 149. It's a kind of system I've used a bit this year and had success with finding two guys who are heavy favorites to hit their shot props, playing them together. Moritz Sider, over one and a half. He has hit this in four in a row. Three shots, two shots, four shots, four shots. He's covered it easily in a couple of those games as well. Play that with Kirill Kaprizov. Over his last five games, Kaprizov is averaging north of six shots per game. He's got 31 in that span. He's hit this mark over three and a half in four of those five as well. He's absolutely been ripping the puck as of like. 
but you play them together, plus 149, some decent value there on a couple of guys who have been crushing their props as of late. So no over-unders, no sides, no puck lines tonight, just the shot prop parlay, courtesy of our friend by Canada Frank. Huge respect for that, Tyler. Sometimes prudence is the better part of valor, yeah. valor if you're not seeing anything that you like. So shot prop and get out. No need to force any play. And I'm sure any better anywhere would understand and respect that discipline. Thank you to Tyler for our points bet daily bet segment. That brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. Mike, what's caught your eye from around the hockey world? Well, it had to be Eric Carlson tossing his bucket on the ice last night against uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. Man, shots were thirty-four to seven after two periods. It was six nothing, Avalanche in favor, and Alex Newcook hits Carlson with a high stick. He's bleeding all over, uh, and he's on the bench, and he decides to show his displeasure by wheeling his bucket across the ice. Okay, and this is this is only a couple days after. Sharks head coach David Quinn got tossed mm. uh, on Saturday against the Washington Capitals. They lost 8-3. to three. So here's the point, man. The Sharks are teetering. They're 30th place in the NHL. They've lost five of their last seven. Like, they're going to have to rein it in. I understand everybody's frustrated, but watching that bucket fly was pretty funny, but it's also kind of a tipping point for this team. So I, I think San Jose is going to have to try to focus for the rest of the year, or else it could get really ugly there. I mean, really ugly is what you would call that loss to the Colorado Avalanche. 11 shots yeah. that counter was in the third period. Are you kidding me? Are, are we an NHL good, team man. or what? Uh, I understand the you frustration of Eric Carlson, but yeah, they're also, I'm, I'm shocked that David Quinn wasn't fined by the NHL 25 grand for that, uh, that outburst that he had. Maybe the, the ejection was enough, but yikes, that video did not look good. And we've seen coaches fined for a lot less in the NHL. Uh, good work by you, Mike. Good work by everyone on the Daily Faceoff team for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks for joining us on YouTube and contributing in the chat. If you haven't done so already, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button. Let's get that subscriber count up. And uh, we'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Thursday. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day and enjoy the games, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.